Welcome back, pilgrims. On this week's Dose, we have another terrific trio of startups to break down after a brief interview stint for a few episodes there. Yep, good to be back here with you, buddy. Uh, first up, you will hear about Prophetic, the company aiming to build the world's first wearable device for stabilizing lucid dreams. They just announced $1.1 million in pre-seed funding led by Box Group. That's incredible. I'm excited to break that one down. Next up, we'll cover League One Volleyball, a professional women's volleyball league that is set to launch after the 2024 Olympics and that just raised a $35 million Series B, led by Left Lane Capital and joined by a slew of high-profile athletes and celebrities. And to wrap up things this week, we have a quasi-update on a company we covered in the spring, FanFix from E67, uh, an interview with those two founders. Great episode if you haven't checked it out. Uh, this is actually their parent company. So they were acquired a couple of years ago. They're now part of Super Ordinary, which just announced a $58 million Series B, putting that company at an $800 million valuation. Um, awesome for those guys, Harry and Simon. So that's going to be a fun breakdown as well. Love a good quasi-update whenever we have the opportunity. <laughs> Another diverse dose of startups on the docket for this week. Let's cue the music and get into it, partner. This is VenturePill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, our first company of this week's dose is Prophetic, which just raised $1.1 million in pre-seed funding led by Box Group. Now, the round also included participation from A16Z's Scout Fund, among a couple of others. And this company claims to have built the world's first wearable device for stabilizing lucid dreams. Incredible. Yeah, that's what dreams are made of. <laughs> and we had to mention on their LinkedIn, um, it, it, it's just we're going to take it. Direct quote from there. Prometheus stole fire from the gods. We will steal dreams from the prophets. Take my money now. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Where do I sign? That's, sign that's me awesome. Up. Turning dreams into reality, literally. And so, okay, for those who may not know, what is a lucid dream? Lucid dreams are when you become aware you are dreaming and may be able to control certain elements of the dream. Let the record show, I don't think I've ever had a lucid no, dream. me neither. But I have spoken to people who have, so sounds really cool. And so what can you do in these lucid dreams, and why are they cool or useful? In lucid dreams, you're freed from conventional laws of physics. So gravity, conservation of energy, conservation of mass, these kinds of things don't really matter. They don't really apply in a lucid dream. And this makes the experience the ultimate sandbox for divergent problem solving. And there's a reason why history's luminaries in science, math, and art credit their lucid dreams for their most pivotal discoveries. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you think <laughs> it's just uh, it's so hard to comprehend. We took this directly from their website, which we've linked. So if you want to check this out, really, really cool what, what they're doing. Uh, they had another quote on there that we wanted to say. It's from uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. 
Uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> wanted to get that French pronunciation in there. He said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. <sighs> that is uh, deep. That is deep. So lucid dreams give humankind an interface to explore the state space of consciousness where one can test epistemological methods to answer some of the biggest fundamental metaphysical questions such as what is consciousness and lastly in a lucid dream the only limiting factor to your experience is your imagination um, which is awesome you know to feel like a kid again you can construct and explore extraordinary environments speak speak with dream characters and even fly and we took that all from the website. That 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 hypes me up. Like agreed. Great, Again, take my money, yeah, please. <laughs> great breakdown of why this is cool. Yeah, and it makes sense why some of the greatest mathematicians, artists, scientists all credit lucid dreams, right? Being unbound to reality and all the rules that apply to us here, and seeing something in those dreams and figuring out how to apply those to real life. Breakthroughs. That's breakthroughs. Incredible. Well said. Additionally, there's been a lot of research within the neuroscience community on dreams, but lucid dreams specifically over the past 50 years. It goes above our heads, but I think we can all agree that the brain is extremely fascinating and there's still so much more that we don't know about how it works. I think we've explored more of outer space than the human brain is maybe a statistic people throw <laughs> no, out there. No, that's, that's the ocean. Mm. But I think, similar. I, think, I would like yeah. to know how much, I mean, it, it's hard to know what, <laughs> what is unknown. Yeah. Maybe in a lucid dream we could figure it <laughs> yeah. out, put this to the test. Uh, but this type of research could lead to many other breakthroughs. And so now back to prophetic. They call their initial device Halo, and it's worn on your head while you sleep, though currently it's only in the prototyping phase at this point. And so they just started a year-long study on brain imaging conducted in partnership with the Donders Institute for Brain, Cognition, and Behavior, which is a part of the Radboud University in the Netherlands. After that, they'll have way more data to feed to their AI solution and will begin working towards a mid-2025 target when they go to market. Yeah, so it's very much in the preliminary research stage. They've got a working prototype that they're going to continue to develop and their goal with that prototype is to use focused ultrasounds to stimulate the user's prefrontal cortexes while dreaming. <laughs> Just incredible. Research suggests that focused ultrasound stimulation can improve working memory. So there's a lot of other elements that could maybe lead to different breakthroughs associated with this part of the brain and, and what, what's possible. Um, and according to one of their founders, Wesley Berry, his convictions with this idea, even though it's at an early stage, comes strongly from how it feels like a quantum leap, he says. When you're using the focused ultrasound, it's quite a bit better than everything else that's been done before. So it's this breakthrough combined with the developments in AI that we've covered at length that you know combine ha uh, hardware and AI software elements to interface with the brain. Like, wow. <laughs> Yeah. The, I mean, the future is now, evidently, with this technology. That's incredible. I'm thinking about the potential to use your eight hours of sleep towards a productive dream, whether it's related to work or you're a startup founder looking for a new idea or anything in between. It's, it's truly incredible that one day, hopefully, we'll be able to control our dreams and really use them for the best. So a quick, a quick idea for them. I don't know if this is legal or possible, but they should say, like, as a contingency for using the halo all all startup ideas that come from it they get automatically 10 percent <laughs> equity like the shark tank model yeah. yeah i mean their device could really yeah i mean who knows if it were it is big if if it works right. but um 
yeah, it seems more possible than ever. And they've got an expert team there we didn't dive into, but um, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, no, certainly a company that we'll want to keep tabs on. I'm ready to pre-sign, pre-pay, get on the wait list, whatever it takes. Because again, this, this is hard to not get excited about. This mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. Okay, and moving on to our second story for this week's dose, we have League One Volleyball, which just raised a $35 million Series B led by Left Lane Capital with participation from Aries Management Fund. This round brings the league's total funding to nearly $60 million to date and also included a slew of high-profile celebrities and athletes including Lindsey Vaughn, Candace Parker, Amy Schumer, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and more. Uh-huh. The raise reflects a growing trend of celebrity investments in women's sports and is capitalizing on a sport that is seeing massive growth at the youth level. Yeah, so quick breakdown on girls' volleyball. So high school volleyball participation has increased 15% since 2002 and 8.4% since 2012, pushing it ahead of basketball as the second most popular sport, I assume, to soccer. Um, at the collegiate level, the 2021 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship uh, drew an ESPN record 1.2 million viewers. Wow. And many of us saw this as well. Uh, recently, back in September, Nebraska and Omaha shattered the all-time record for a D1 women's college volleyball attendance. Over 92,000 fans packed the Nebraska football stadium, which was crazy. Um, and I saw the reason I was thinking about Iowa is because I saw that the Iowa women's basketball team did that recently. Yeah. They drew like 50 some thousand. It's awesome to just see the women's sports on the rise with NIL and, and things like that. But uh, getting a little off track, let's lock back in on the <laughs> volleyball and, and what they're doing with, with this League One. Yeah, sounds good. I was going to say 92,000. That sounds like a Texas Longhorns you know, showdown game. Easily, that is, yeah. That is prime time. But. Good for women's volleyball, good for sports. And so a little bit more on the startup we're talking about here. Established back in 2020, League One Volleyball is the top youth club volleyball business in the United States, with over 1.1 thousand club teams across 21 states. The issue here that they're trying to address is that once a player reaches the pro level, they typically have to go abroad to keep playing the sport they love, which is something that the league is hoping to change by establishing the country's first full season pro league. All right. Yeah. And so they're not the only ones doing this, um, sort of taking notice of this surge and capitalizing on it. There are other leagues like Athletes Unlimited, Pro Volleyball Federation, Volleyball League of America. Uh, all new leagues that have launched recently are planned to launch in a similar timeline. Uh, league One's differentiator is that they can really tap into their massive youth club volleyball talent pool to create a youth-to-pro developmental system. I mean, they have such a massive pool of homegrown talent with their 1.1 thousand teams. Best farm system in, in the whole league. <laughs> Best farm system in, in women's volleyball right yeah. now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I like that as a differentiator, right? They're kind of fostering this talent from the youth age and watching them come to the, or watching them elevate to the pro level. Uh, it's a really cool differentiator. And again, there's competition like you mentioned, but as we like to say, hopefully it's a rising tide lifts all boats. Type I think of it is. I think it is. And I think that it's a big vote of confidence to get the investment from those big name athletes because they went, they rose through the ranks of their sports. Basketball, we think about it like with, with AAU, like it's, it's very much a pipeline mm-hmm. in, into the pros. And so they understand the workings of that and probably saw this as like, wow, it's a great pipeline that they're building a big differentiator. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And it's a very popular sport, my understanding is, especially, you know, after the Olympics in 2024, I'm sure viewership will be high as well. Mm -hmm. So the timing works out here. 
Uh, and speaking of, the startup plans to launch the Pro Volleyball League after next summer's Olympic Games in Paris, like I mentioned, with the initial clubs set to be located in Atlanta, Houston, Madison, Omaha, and Salt Lake City. So I like that there are a couple cities there, Madison and Omaha specifically, getting some pro sports teams because they're pretty much just college towns. Yeah. So I'm sure their fan bases are over the moon as well. And we wanted to talk about how this overlaps with some trends we've been seeing in general, which is that professional leagues across the board have seen an uptick in interest from both institutional capital and high-profile investors as the coveted asset class captured large valuations in recent years. So women's sports, pickleball, live golf, which we've covered in the Mm -hmm. past, all come to mind and have benefited in particular as high net worth individuals and institutions look for emerging leagues as investment opportunities. Yeah, it is a really cool trend. I mean, you think about the U.S. and it's like the four major sports. Mm-hmm. In our in our limited view of sports in recent history, those are the like those are sports. They've always been around. Right. But in reality, it's like all the sports are new, and like who knows which ones will rise to popularity. It's kind of interesting to think about. I know it's America in America here. We have way more sports <laughs> than anyone else. Like uh, you know any other countries, but we we love it. I mean, it's a great. It's a great part of our culture, and I think this women's sports trend especially is just awesome to see. Agreed. Okay, our last company of this week's dose, as we mentioned in the intro, this is actually an acquiring company of Fanfix, which we covered in E67 uh, through an interview with uh, Harry and Simon. And when we saw this come across the board, $58 million Series B at an $800 million valuation, we had to do a quick Quasi update, <laughs> as we'll call it, because uh, it's not exactly the company that that we covered. So we're gonna get a little bit deeper into what Super Ordinary does and why they acquired Fanfix and mixing that in. This round included participation from a bunch of investors, including some investment from their CEO uh, Julian Reese. And you'll hear a little bit about his thoughts and how he started the company. This company is based in LA, and they basically help consumer brands of all types expand worldwide. Right. And originally, they actually started out of Shanghai and had a laser focus on helping brands expand into the lucrative Chinese market. But since then, they've expanded their offerings to include Amazon account management, brand protection, and creator monetization through social commerce, which is specifically where Fanfix, the company we covered a couple doses ago, comes into play. Yeah. So Reese, the founder, realized that there was a massive gap, basically, when he was living in Shanghai between smaller brand success Um, on the rise here in the U.S. and their activity abroad, particularly in China. So a big opportunity there that they wanted to capitalize on. He then grew the company, assembled a a team of experts in China to help navigate the intricacies of breaking into that market um, and really to resonate with local consumers, not doing it blindly from a foreign perspective to really integrate into their Mm -hmm. culture. And another important thing to mention here is the social element of the platform. So Super Ordinary has also capitalized on the rise of live streaming and product placement or branding through influencers. Once again, hence the Fanfix acquisition and where they come into play here. This was and continues to be a popular phenomenon in China, but also here in the United States and other countries. Definitely, we've covered some startups that have influencers as the founders and they are you know, machines at cranking out impressions and views on mm-hmm. social media, which all contributes to branding and really the, the product pitch. Yeah, and, and to really connect with a new market for a brand that's from a different country, you have to get in 
you have to get in through trusted sources and that may be friends or that may be like famous people, influencers. And so it's really like gaining that trust in that, that really, that sweet spot that has allowed them to grow this into an almost a unicorn sized business at the series B level. So pretty impressive with this funding. Now they're, they're going to continue to leverage their team of 500 people that they've built a lot of which uh, are based in China with unmatched expertise and infrastructure that helps really that helps them outpace these smaller other companies that are trying to capitalize on this wave as well. Um, we didn't get too much into uh, all the expertise and, and sort of the, the, the way that they partner with brands and sort of do the dirty work for them, but they've got, you know, they've got teams that will work with these brands to get them in these markets and, and make it easy. They'll even manage like their Amazon storefront and, and stuff like that. So they're going to continue to build out that team, but also invest in the social and, and the technology side. Uh, I should say more with with regard to the social apps like TikTok. And we know how popular that is here, um, not even to mention how popular it is in China as well. Yeah. And it, it makes sense given the rise of the creator economy, which we've outlined in several episodes to continue to double down and invest in monetization for content creators, influencers, brands uh, through social media, which again is where the eyeballs are right now. That's Mm -hmm. where all the views and clicks are going, especially with our generation and younger generations. So love what they're doing here at Super Ordinary. And we also should mention that over the next year, the company expects to hit profitability quite a significant milestone. They project to grow by more than 50% and reach $350 million in revenue, which I'm sure had something to do with the $58 million Series B and $800 million valuation. Yeah, you, you, you'd have to think that at $350 million in revenue, they'd, they'd have a unicorn valuation <laughs> at their fingertips. So yeah. congrats, you know, congrats to Reese, the whole the whole super ordinary team, but also close to our hearts, yeah. uh, Harry and Simon. Love it. Y- yeah, so cool. They had that acquisition, and now they're part of this uh, innovative company and, a, and a, a, with a broader mission and really a cool synergy with what they built um, to pour a little fuel on the fire and get some young energy in that in that big company. So yeah, no uh, creator again. Creators and influencers are the future. So this is a great opportunity for super ordinary and fanfix and the whole team really to double down on what they're working on. You don't see too, I mean, we don't cover too many acquisitions and you really don't see too many acquisitions within startups and VC as much as you do in more traditional businesses. So I think it's really cool how Reese said, I think he said also in the article that we linked that he's open to more acquisitions and growth through acquisition is another, just another method. If mm-hmm. it makes sense, it could really work. I should say though, as we learned from Jan Ryan in, in last episode, E88, great interview if you haven't checked that one out, acquisitions kind of like going into a marriage, right? You got to be careful. You don't want to force it. Um, Clearly this one has worked out so far and I think they had maybe one or two others. So pretty cool, kind of an interesting element that we don't often get into. Yeah, no, well said and definitely a good promo for the Jan Ryan interview. Highly recommend that one. Some Some of our best work and really Jan was just incredible. Carried the interview, it was amazing. I can't believe I'm sitting in the seat she sat in. No, kidding. Um, But I think we're just about ready to wrap up this week's dose, episode 89. The chase to 100 continues. We're getting close to the 90s, which brings us ever closer. But 
as always, thanks for listening to this week's dose. It's fall out here in Austin. Yeah. I think, you know, the Whew. leaves are turning a little bit. I saw it's you had your vest crispy. on. You had your vest on earlier. I had my vest. I got my quarter zip on. Mm. Times are changing. It's oh finally God. cooling down here a little bit, which is nice. You can see I'm still holding on to summer. I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> it's kind of cold, but but hey, this is fall. This is prime time of the year. Prime time. Uh, wrapping up this year. Like you said, we, we've got big plans coming for E100. Mm. Uh, so we got some work to do there, but... Appreciate you joining us on this journey and uh, 89 in the books. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little okie, okie, dokie. That's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do it.